when you're giving a, a free haircut to somebody that can't afford it, somebody that needs it more than anybody else, um, this is the most pivotal moment in their lives, whether they know it or not. And, um, you know, my, my job is to make people feel better about themselves. You get a good haircut, you're going to feel better about yourself. You, feel, you, get a worse hair, you get a bad haircut, you're going to feel worse about yourself. I think we all know that feeling. Welcome to the Gift of Failure podcast, the show that asks one simple question. What has failure taught you? And what can you do with that failure to learn? Join me as I sit down with global icons, leaders from all walks of life to explore how they have used their experiences to evolve into greatness. Let's dive in. Mark Bustos, the man, the myth, the legend. Bro, um, I want to tell everybody that is listening here, this man I have known for almost 10 years, right? Yeah, just about. Just about 10 years. And we met um, at one of the most prestigious hair salons in New York City at the time in a very serendipitous way. He is truly one of the most inspiring human beings that I've had the pleasure of meeting and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, as we get into this dialogue, I think everybody else is going to agree with me as to why. And we'll talk about the narrative a little bit a uh, little bit later, but we met in a very serendipitous way. In fact, when he started at this new salon as a hairstylist, I was the first person that he actually cut the hair. You remember that, Mark? I do remember, yeah. It was, it was actually day one, but this man is a philanthropist. Um, he's a visionary. He is a kind man and what he does, you know, with hair, he is quite literally probably the Pablo Picasso of cutting hair. And that is the least of his talents as a human being. I am honored to have him on this show and to be able to call him one of my friends, one of my brothers, Mark Bustos. I love you, bro. Thank you so much for being on, on this with me. Ari, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for uh, it's 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 great to see you again, even though it's it's through uh, you know technology. But it's always always a pleasure to see you. Look, Mark, I would love for you to um, to just share with everybody, you know, who you are as a person, what you've done, and please, I know how humble of a man you are and how gracious of a man you are. Um, but can you please share with us just a little bit about, first of all, about your journey, what you've done. One of the things that you said to me, um, that I, that I remembered is at the time, you know, this was obviously many years ago, the only job you had ever had, you know, was being a hairstylist and, you know, working with your cousin, I believe, I think it was your cousin, right? That, that you, that you worked with many years ago in Jersey, but that was the only thing that he did. And so he was really a master of doing one thing and, you know, doing that well, which was his passion, which was his art, which I really admired. And over the iteration, over the last 10 years, he's become so much more than that, which was always in his heart. But Mark, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, that journey of, how you started, where you were, what you're doing, um, and a little bit about what you're doing now and what that took and in the process, kind of maybe some of the struggles and obstacles that stood in the way um, as you begin really be, you know, coming into this authentic human being that that you are today. Yeah, so um, so basically I've, uh, I've been a hairdresser. Um, I've been doing hair since I was 14 years old. Like you said, I've never had another job in my life. All I've ever done was hair. Um, and to actually, the, the reason I started 
doing hair is because uh, of, of a failure that I had from the very, very beginning. Um, and that's, that was when I was 14 years old, all my friends were out there getting jobs to just make a little spending money here and there. My friends were getting jobs at the movie theaters to clean up the theaters and, and at, the, at the batting cages, at the bowling alleys. Um, and I tried to do the same. I tried to get a job at all these different places. But honestly, when I was 14 years old, I looked like I was eight. So nobody wanted to hire an eight-year-old. I swear to God, <laughs> that, that's you really so that, young that is, now. <laughs> thank you. That is literally the reason why I, I had to figure something out, um, and I started cutting hair out of my parents' garage. Um, I started on my little brother, and then my best friend. My best friend would come every single week. Um, I, I gave him terrible haircuts every week. Eventually got, a, <laughs> eventually got a little bit better and better, and you know the my friend turned into a couple of friends turned into the freshman basketball team and then turned into the whole high school and then surrounding towns. Um, every day after school, my parents house was the hangout every day, you know, whether people were just shooting hoops in the, in the driveway or waiting to get their haircut or just, you know, just there to hang out. Um, it was the place to be after school every day. So, you know, from there I, I, um, I was cutting everybody's hair. And the cool thing about cutting hair back then is that I was able to, um, at a very young age, I realized that I was able to bring people together in a very positive way. And what I mean by that is that, you know, in, uh, you were to get like the, the captain of the football team and the leader of the band squad who would normally not even make eye contact with each other in the high school hallways, but are now sitting next to, next to each other in the garage wow. waiting to get the haircut interacting. So it was, a, it was a community center. It was really cool. So it was almost um, a unifying force in a way, in a way too, like people, like it was almost you were creating unity in some regard. For sure, yeah. I mean, you think about even the movie The Barbershop, where we've all been to like a little neighborhood barbershop before, and Makes it just sense. brings all different type of people together. And these types of people wouldn't normally interact outside of the barbershop, you know? So it was cool to be able to do that at such a young age through high school and all that. Um, but, you know, after high school, I realized that I wanted to be able to um, make my parents happy. So I actually went to college first. Um, uh, I, Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah. So I went to college and it wasn't until after my sophomore year in college, right in the middle, my father comes out to me. He's like, Hey, when are you going to, when are you going to go to hair school? And I was like, wait, I'm like, I'm going to college to make you and mom happy. Now you're actually saying this to me. And so, but then like I was already halfway through college and I didn't, I wasn't going to quit. I had to finish. Um, but the one thing, the main thing that stuck with me that I learned in college that not a single college professor professor actually taught me was a lesson on how to hustle. And I huh. say that because um, my junior and senior year in college, I, um, you know, I, I enrolled in all the classes and all that kind of stuff to get my credits, but I didn't take notes. I didn't do homework. I didn't go to class. Instead, I was in the, I was in the college dorm rooms giving free haircuts in exchange. <laughs> for notes and, wow. and all that. And I didn't buy a single book. Um, and to be quite honest, I still had to take the tests, uh, but I had other people do the hard work for me. Um, you know, so I, I would get all the notes and the homework and I would hand it in and, and still show up to class when I absolutely had to. Uh, I did the bare minimum, but did all the, passed all my classes. And, sounds and I, like good leadership. It sounds like good delegation and good entrepreneur, hey, listen, an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, I don't ever regret going to college because that lesson alone is something I, I bring with me today is um, learning how to build a network and literally just hustling um, and bartering. And these are things I do every single day. Um, none of it is a bad thing, you know. Um, so eventually I went to hair school after I got my bachelor's in business and um, continued on. And so I worked my way up in the hair industry um, in, in different hair salons and different barbershops. And you know, I, I got to this point where, you know, I, I always wanted to be successful. I don't, whatever that meant, I always wanted to get to this top hair salon and start working there. And that was success. 
But when I got there, you were my first person I cut in that high-end hair salon. I got to that point, and you know, after a while of working there, I realized like if this is what success is supposed to be, I still don't feel it. When am I going to find it? Wow. Um, and it's one and of you those were, things. You were the like, top. You were the top of the top. I mean, you know, when you came in there, you know, I would argue even in terms of the cost and the fees you were in the top five, 10 hairstylists in Manhattan. So if you weren't feeling success, you know, in your trade, that's a, that's a big, that's a big problem. Yeah. And you know what? Like I, I didn't know what success really meant. Um, huh. and to me, I didn't know what it meant to me at the time. It's one of those things. Like I didn't get this far just to get this far. Like what's next. I think, I think you, you can relate to that very well. You know, you know, it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it wasn't until I stopped looking for success is when I found it. Um, it was actually, I, I went on a family trip to the Philippines to visit family. Um, you go pretty family's... often still. You still go pretty often to the Philippines. You're, you're, I mean, you're very much of a family man. I know you love, I mean, you're a huge family man, but you, you've you always consistently gone gone back almost yearly, right? For many years. Yeah, I was going about four or five times a year until COVID hit. Um, so I actually have even during there. those early years, like even in the earlier years when you were like still, you know, cutting hair out of the garage and stuff, were you still, you know, going to the Philippines then or was it until that you started to have a little bit, you know, more financial stability, et cetera? Yeah. So I went to the Philippines for the first time when I was 12. Um, I huh. went again when I was 25, which was before I made it to this high end hair salon in New York. And then I, um, after I made it to that high end hair salon, um, from 2014 up until 2020, I was going about four, maybe four times a year for about wow. six years. Um, and when I, when I got to the Philippines, um, on that one particular family vacation back in like 2013 or something like that, you know, in, in developing countries like the Philippines, it's real, you know, poverty is real poverty over there. And, you know, like what I mean by that is that like here in New York city or any big city in America, um, you see people on the street corners with a, with a cup asking for change or, or sitting outside of the homeless shelters waiting for their meal, um, which is wonderful. Um, it's great that we have that somewhat of a, a system going on here in America. But when you go to a developing country like the Philippines, there's no, you, can't, you can't hold a cup out in, in little areas like that because everybody's in the same scenario. Oh, my um, God. You know, uh, and there's no homeless shelters there. There's no, there's no food pantries over there. Everybody's in the same boat over there. You know, and I, when I get there, I realize that I see kids living on the streets alone, four and five-year-old brothers living alone on the streets, taking care of one another with no parents, um, kids living in the cemetery um, with no parents. So, um, you know, I, I had to do something. And it wasn't one of those things that was this whole big grand idea that I was going to come up with before I even got there. It was just something that I saw and I had to, I had to do something. And what I do best is hair. Um, so what better way to give back? So I basically rented a chair in a little barber shop, a garage door that opens up like hundred degrees, hundred percent humidity. And I worked with the barbers for the day. I rented out a chair and worked with the barbers for the day. And I paid all the barbers to be able to work with them. I paid them about 20 bucks each, which was, which is more money. They're going to make all week cutting hair all week. Oh my you know? God. So I invited the homeless kids to come in for free haircuts. And from that moment on, I realized that, um, you know, what I do, my, I, I do hair, but it's, it's, it really gave me the true meaning um, and fulfillment of what I do in life and, and me, made me realize that I can do this anywhere. You know, the first boy that sat in my chair, I knew I was going to make him feel good by giving him a good haircut, but what I didn't re realize what, how, how, what I didn't realize was how he was going to make me feel. And um, so from then on, I, when I came back home to New York City, I packed the bag, everything cordless, nothing I had to plug in to make it super convenient. I went for a walk in New York City and, um, um, I gave my first haircut on the streets to a homeless man in New York City. 
I remember, and, uh, I remember it like, I remember it like it was yesterday. I think it was an African-American gentleman that you edged up his beard, su- you know, super perfect. And the before and after was just, it was, oh man, Mark, uh, it was, uh, one thing that I thought was so amazing, you know, is I think a lot about, you know, my book comes out in July and one of the things called the gift of failure and one of the things that, you know, I, I you know, kind of talk a lot about and explore a little bit is how, you know, these types of things, whether it's a haircut or how we carry ourselves or the clothing that we wear truly can alter our state, our mental state. So when you address something that I believe, you know, homelessness is, you know, and I think a lot of people agree has as much to do with mental health and a lot to do with the psychological aspect as much as it does with anything else. So for you to do that, you're in completely changing their confidence, the way they feel about themselves. They're, you know, having this unbelievable emotional response to where one might look at it, you know, wrongly and say, oh, this is, oh, a haircut, maybe it's vanity. You have a nice haircut and you look handsome. But the way I always interpret it is, is truly like reinvigorating someone's true confidence in themselves to like, and feel better at a visceral level. Am I missing something or or is that, like, did you, did you experience that? That's what I felt from afar when I saw it happen, that like their demeanors changed, like the smile, the look, the sparkle in the right, like it wasn't just a nice new haircut and you look good. It was like a human makeover. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. From that first guy that I cut in New York City, when I handed him a mirror to show him what he looked like, he said, he looked in the mirror and he said, do you know anybody that's hiring? I want to get a job. So the fact Are that I was able to give him that makeover and a good haircut, um, I, I, it's not what I expected to hear. Um, I actually had him say it again because I thought I heard him incorrectly, but he said it again. Do you know anybody that's hiring? I want to get a job. And to this day, actually, the, the following weeks after that weekend, after that haircut, I went around um, the streets to look for him because everybody on the streets know each other. They're all like kind of cool with each other and stuff. And I had a photograph of him. So I went around the streets and I was asking everybody. I was like, hey, have you seen Jamar? Have you seen Jamar Banks? Here's this photo. This guy, this guy. Nobody's ever even seen him before. Um, and I think that's a good sign. It's a good sign that he was able to immediately get get off the streets and find a job. And it's also a sign. So he did. So he actually went and found a job? I, so none of, none of it was confirmed. I've never found him again. Yeah, but the legend is that it worked and he kind of that was elevated. I mean, to he told you himself he's going to do he's it. He's never been found again. Um, so <sighs> I, I actually also look at him as an angel in disguise. Because, Tell me you about know, that. I, I've never seen him again. And, and whether, he was, uh, whether he was there physically or not, um, that moment, that day made me and pushed me to continue to do what I, what I did for that individual and what I did for the kids in the Philippines. It, it pushed me to do it every single Sunday for years straight after that. Um, and, you know, and beyond. And, you know, after, after that, I, I was able, I've been, you know, some, from 2014 up until today, I've been able to travel around the world and back um, sharing my gift. And Mark, if it that, weren't that, for Jamar that, Banks, um, I, I think uh, it would be, it might be a little different. Walk me through, I mean, that's, I I just, I don't have words for how I'm I'm a little bit, anybody that knows me knows that I'm usually not a loss for words. I don't think I've stopped talking since, (laughs) (laughs) since whatever, but tell me what about, you know, there's a lot to be said, you know, Tony Robbins has talked about this a lot and Jim Rohn and a lot of these, you know, type of, um, you know, call them whatever motivational type individual, whatever word you want to use to describe them about 
the joy, as you said, of what it has done for you, because I knowing you as a man and knowing your intention, um, you know, everything you've done is selfless and doing it for somebody else and never having any wanting anything in return. I, I know how you think, Mark, and I think everybody should know that about this man, that he never wanted notoriety or ne although the world like now knows and it's you know you, if you go to his instagram you know at mark bustos you'll see hundreds of thousands of people that are whatever but this man never aspired for that like he didn't look to be famous or like he did it purely out of just absolute love need and was drawn to it from everything that i've seen and again i was there in a very very small amount watching from the sidelines you know seeing this happen but my question is you know what did that do for you in giving as you did as you, you and you brushed on it how how did that change your perspective you're a father now you know you weren't a father during that time you've now a beautiful your father of two beautiful children how did that change you in giving that like what happened to you yeah so you know um like i said from like that moment i cut that first boy off the streets in the philippines the the feeling that it gave me um uh, was something that i'll never forget and it's the same feeling that i still feel inside me today of just um you know making people happy happy is basically an addictive feeling you know I, uh, at the same time i don't i don't do things for myself it's really to help others but at the same time I, you get great fulfillment out of out of uh, being able to give um and especially being able to give something that you're really good at. Uh, and that's a, that's a whole other topic of, um, you know, I tell people all the time, I, I get messages from people all around, from all around the world, from America, from all around the world saying, Mark, you've inspired me. I'm going to go to hair school. I'm going to get my license and I'm going to go out on the street. I'm going to give haircuts for free on the street. And I actually, I, I, I do not encourage that. Because Why is that? That's, 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 that's interesting. Explain that a little bit further. Because basically, the, some of the pickiest people that ever sat in my chair are the ones that can't afford a haircut with me. The ones that I give free haircuts <laughs> to. Um, and I'm serious about that because like, you know, when you're giving a, sh a free haircut to somebody that can't afford it, somebody that needs it more than anybody else, um, this is the most pivotal moment in their lives, whether they know it or not. And, um, you know, my, my job is to make people feel better about themselves. You get a good haircut, you're going to feel better about yourself. You, feel, you, get a worse hair, you get a bad haircut, you're going to feel worse about yourself. I think we all know that feeling. Um, you know, so, so people are, me are not meant to be practiced on when it, when it comes to anything. And I think the, real, the, I think the most important thing is here is, is to learn before you serve. Um, is to be able to give back what you're, say what that, you're best Say that at. one more time. That's, that's a bar. To you learn, learn before, before you serve. You serve. Learn before you serve. That's a bar. I have to, we we need to we need to think about that. In this process, with all this stuff happening, walk me through some of the as you mentioned some of the things that maybe you would have done differently or what you learned. Because again, the way that I look at failure, and you know, I I think you agree with me is you know, we fail forward, right? We fail, we learn in those processes. We get, you know, and all, we know all the cliches around that, right? You get knocked down, you get back up, you, you know, but even I've come to learn like scientifically, you know, failure is how we actually learn and gain experience. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. And demonizing failure is actually just incorrect. Like calling it like, it has all that baggage of being a bad thing. That's just wrong. <laughs> like success and failure are literally two sides of the same coin, period, hard stop. Anyone that's done anything in life, big or small, has failed and has moved on. When a child is learning how to walk, they literally stand up, fall down, stand up, fall down, stand up, fall. I mean, like we failed our whole lives 
yet somehow we've been taught that that's a bad thing. So my hope is that we can start to re-signify, you know, what that means. So tell me about some of some failures, you know, of yours, like whether it's giving someone a really bad haircut when you're young, or maybe it's somewhere, I don't know, like what are some things that, and again, but with that said, what was the introspection? Because I think that's the critical component is looking back at that failure, connecting the dots, finding what the jewel is, and then using that to go forward and make a different mistake, just not that same one. So can you walk us through a few of what those pivotal moments were for you? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, down to back back to what I do, like just walking around the streets. Uh, you know, one of the main things that I do uh, besides giving a haircut, the first thing I do when I approach anybody on the streets is um, I ask them if they're hungry. Um, huh. And I learned this very early on is like, you know, I tried to give away like, uh, you know, leftover pizza or leftover sandwich or like a half bag of chips. And honestly, I don't want anybody's half bag of chips. I don't want anyone's half eaten slice of pizza or, or half, half of a sandwich, you know? So um, when I say learn before you serve uh, is, is to learn about the person. What do they like? Give them an option. Um, ask them, like, if you can have anything to eat right now, what, it, what would it be? And they might like, they, they have to think about it for a second, you know? They'll eventually tell me. And um, there was this one couple in Herald Square on 34th and 6th in Manhattan. Uh, I approached them. I asked them what they wanted to eat. They said, let's just go across the street to this. It's like one of those like bodega places with an island of like buffet, like a huge yeah, island yeah. of buffet, like all these foods. And they, they could have chosen anything they possibly wanted. They both went and um, they took their food and brought it to the counter and they both had salads. And, and I asked them, I was like, oh, just curious, uh, why, why, did you, why, why did you both pick a salad when you could have eaten anything you wanted here? Because if, if, if I didn't ask them what they wanted, I would have just grabbed like all the like, things that I wanted, you know, things that look good to me. But they said that um, they're tired of eating half bags of chips and half slices of pizza. And if they're given a choice in life, they want to eat healthy for once because they, they never have that option. Um, so that's just like a, just a very simple failure uh, about learning before I serve. You know, I, I had to fail a little, a little failure before I learned that uh, about just walking around the streets and just learning on my own, you know? That's a paradigm shift too, because like, I mean, it, that's, that's an unfathomable answer to me, right? We're so like, whether it's propaganda or whether it's the way we're thought to, to view, you know, homelessness and look, I'm, you know, you know, that I'm in the real estate business, in the commercial real estate business, a huge part of our business is, you know, older apartment complexes, renovating them and, you know, things of that nature, but coming to, you know, coming to learn that tenant experience, coming to learn what they want versus what we think that they want. And all of those things has been an unbelievable unbelievable learning experience. Like I might like countertops in a certain way or think this is important, but it wasn't until, as you said, learning before serving of understanding, doing surveys and, you know, asking questions and come to find the things that were more important to them. I thought, oh my God, they don't want me to increase their rent. But in reality, some of them weren't money driven. They didn't care necessarily about the rent being raised. They wanted to make sure that the dog park was right. Right. And like you start to learn that you know, your vantage point of how you see the world, certainly for me being so humble, you know, humbling to learn that it's not just my perspective. And as you said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use that, use that mantra, you know, learn before you serve is that, you know, if we don't ask, how are you going to know? And a dear friend of mine used to say, questions are the answer. If you ask the right question, you're going to get the right answer. Um, so I think that's something we can all learn in, just doing life. I mean, just, you know, what's, what's the old cliche, like assuming, right. Make ass out of you and me, like quite literally that is a failure within itself. 
Yeah, man. And, and you, you said it best with exactly with what you do with real estate and all that kind of stuff. You can't just throw at this countertop that you like, but like everybody that you think would, would want to be in that space and rent that space. Maybe don't like it. Who, who's going to rent it from you? You know? Yeah, I'm not the cu- I'm not I'm not the customer. My job is to serve my customers and create a safe living experience, create something that's going to go and from a business standpoint, create something that'll monetize and I found it was a big learning experience for me, you know, as a firm when I was looking at let's say color schemes on the website or marketing materials, come to learn I thought it was cool, but our clients didn't, you know, and it's not fulfilling the purpose, so it's n- not the the best way to actually do that. So, you know, in learning all the stuff that you learned, elevating your stuff and becoming, you know, the, you know, I think the world now sees you as more of of a philanthropist and a humanitarian more so than being a hairstylist. When was the point that you think that you transcended, you know, being a hairdresser, so to speak, into all these other things working, aligning with Under Armour and all these other big brands? And, you know, when did that that inflection point come where you realized, okay, that was my stepping point. I still love it. But now this is bigger than hairdressing, which God bless every hairdresser in the world. My hair is unforgiving. And the way that I feel when I get a good haircut, I feel like I'm a better man. I feel like I can walk better. I come more confident. I'm a better business person, you know, and I can really relate to that. But when was that point where you transcended it? Because I watched it again from afar from through social media and through the posts and through the media. But when did you know definitively and outside kind of verified that you are like you're not a hairdresser anymore you're a humanitarian yeah so um i i think the the first time i felt that was when um i looked down at my phone and my my battery was dying really really quickly it was just being drained because my i didn't i had all my notifications um, from social media and instagram in particular just blowing up my phone and i realized i looked down at my phone and my 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 story just started going viral um, and I didn't sleep for about 10 days straight after that happened because I didn't really know what was happening. And, you know, I was getting um, media requests from every major media company and news outlet from all around the world. When was this? When, when, when was this? What, what year was this? I think this is 2014. 2014. And that was when, like, you know, I, I, was, I was doing haircuts on the street um, for, for over a year before I even told anybody, never mind posted on social media. I wasn't posting anything on social media. It was just something I was doing quietly on my own every single Sunday, uh, documenting, um, documenting before and after photos as I was going going along. And it wasn't until I had someone in my chair um, at this high-end hair salon, naturally I'm gonna get people from the Huffington Post and CNN sitting in my chair. And they were just asking me, I remember, I remember one time there was this person, um, uh, someone from C- CNN saying, hey, um, so what do you do on your days off? What do you do um, on your free time? I was like, you really want to know what I do? And I told him that on Sundays, this is what I do. And he goes, oh, wow, that's like so interesting. Would you mind if I had like, this is a great story. You mind if I have like um, a, a team come out with you one day? I was like, all right, cool. Um, and then I get a, um, a someone from the Huffington Post that same week asking me and, and sent me sent me an email with a bunch of questions. Like, hey, answer these questions. And I answered it. Um, and when I was out on the streets with CNN with the cameras out, I was in the middle of a haircut on the street and I looked at my phone. Like I said, it was blowing up and the, the people on the camera, um, the, the guys on the CNN cameras were looking at, at me like, oh, 
is everything okay? And I said, I think the Huffington Post just um, published my story. And they were like, wait, what? And like, they started scrambling, let's get this done now, boom, boom, boom. And as soon as we got off the streets, it was out in two hours. So now CNN oh had it. So God. now it's just like going viral in, in, in so many different And this is uh, all avenues. within a day, like you're watching this in real time. <laughs> In real time. And and actually, a month before all of this, I had another friend at Refinery29 um, uh, who knew what I was doing because she was a really good client of mine. I told her what I was doing. She asked me a bunch of questions, emailed her the, the answers to my questions, and um, she didn't publish it. But then when she saw that the Huffington Post and CNN published of it, course. she was like, boom, put it out. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then the Today Show hits me up immediately and um, within that same day. And the Today Show published it instantly. So now I had the Today Show, the Huffington Post, CNN, Refinery29, all within 24 hours. Oh, my boom, God. Kind of exploded. <laughs> and, uh, and that's how it all started. And that's when I realized I was like, wow, like uh, this is a lot more. This is this is way bigger than just hairdressing. Oh my God. What a, what a great story. Look, I, I know that you have so much going on and, you know, I'm so you know, honestly, you know, I love you, brother. And I, I, I just, I don't want to say, you know, I'm, you know, proud because I feel that sounds a little condescending, but I'm just in awe of what you've done as a human being. And, um, uh, there's a couple other things that I want to, I want to ask you. There's one question I end all this with that I'll end with, but I also know, and you know, that I'm a health wellness fanatic, you know, I take that very seriously. But one thing I always really admired about you is, you always made time to take care of your fitness. Like you were always in excellent shape doing stuff. Can you give us like maybe a minute or so of, of how, you know, being the man that you are as busy you are, how health and wellness, how much you value that and, and why? Yeah. I mean, especially since I, since I had a kid, I have kids now, you know, I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Beautiful um, children. Please go to his Instagram at Mark Bustos and see his beautiful family. I mean, he has a, gorgeous gorgeous family thank you i appreciate that um you know now that i have kids everything i do is is for my kids you know i i ask myself for, for any anything i'm about to do in life i ask myself one question is would this make my children proud oh, um and beautiful. and that's pretty much how i go about doing life right now and you know my my kids want me to pick them up and throw them well i, I got to be able to pick them up and throw them physically you know um, I, I don't work out like I used to work out when I was 21 years old, lifting all heavy weights, doing like 300 pounds once, you know, instead I'm lifting 50 pounds, 50 times because I'm picking up my kid 50 times a day. But, you, but, but it's know, still a priority a for it, but it's still, uh, is it fair to say, cause I remember you would not miss the gym. You were doing freaking 50 pull-ups and crunch. I mean, like, I mean, you were extremely fit, like during those years, like, so you still do value fitness as I know it's iterated, but that's still you believe that's still a big important factor in how you have the energy to be a father, to be a businessman. Like, do you still think those coincide the way that you, you did before? Absolutely. If I, if I didn't feel good, if I couldn't get up out of bed um, and be energized, I couldn't do anything. You know, we got to be able to take care of ourselves before we take care of others. And that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that, because I always admired that 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 regiment, even when you were, you know, commuting in from Jersey all the way to Manhattan, you know, in those early years at, you know, at the salon and things like that. I always remember you say, nope, I got my work in or I'm going to the gym and I'll be in the gym for two hours or I went on a run. And I and I always admired that about you, that no matter what was going on, 
um, you always made time for that health and wellness, which turned into contribution. You, like you said, you took care of yourself, made yourself strong, were able you know, to contribute. The last thing that I'll ask you that I ask, you know, all of our, you know, all of our guests is if there is one thing that you wish everybody in the world knew, what would it be? I think it's, it's really about, um, to be successful, it's really about doing one thing well. Um, wow. That's and, a not, good one. and not to be a jack of all trades. Um, I think it's great to be a jack of all trades, but it's really about doing one thing really, really well and just taking it and sharing it with as many people as you can, you know, um, to not be restricted um, to coloring inside of the lines and breaking the barriers and bending rules. It's okay to bend the rules um, and ask for forgiveness rather than permission, all, all these things, you know. That's uh, that's fantastic. And you and what I love about it is that's so congruent with everything that, you know, we know about you as a person from having the only job you've had of being a hairdresser. You you live that statement, too, uh, which makes it that much more impactful. So you heard it. Do one thing. Find one thing and do it well. Become a become a master. Mark, you're an amazing human being, as I said to you, and I've told you for years, I'll keep telling you. Uh, you inspire me watching your journey through this thing. I mean, we are all cheering for you on the sidelines. And I know that um, the world is a much better place for having you in it. And uh, look forward to seeing you breaking bread. God bless you and your family. And I hope that we see each other not through a, through a damn camera, although I'll take it. But, you know, I'd like to see you in person and give you a big hug. God bless, brother. Thank you again for having me. I gotta right. come, uh, I'll come, I'll come visit you out in uh, in Dallas, right? Yeah, come, come down, to, come down to Dallas, see our development side, and then come down to Austin and come, uh, come Austin see the kids, too, come yeah, see the right. office. Bring the, bring the babies. Every, everything is 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 child friendly in our house. We, as you know, we have three little ones now too, and uh, bring Amazing. them down and let's uh, let's let's show the next show the next generation. And for the love of God, can I please get a get a good haircut if you don't mind next time? Because my, <laughs> I got my, you, man. My, my fade my fade's all messed up, as I'm sure you no, can see. No, your fade is good. <laughs> it looks good. I'll see, I'll see you later, buddy. Thanks so much. All right, brother. Bye. Take it easy, bro. Thank you for listening. To access the full scope of lessons, pre-order your own personal copy of the book the gift of failure, currently available on Amazon and other platforms to come. Until next time, fail on my friends.